sorry, Leo. <laughs> Mike, um, when you were sharing in your creative conversation thing today, uh, you mentioned that the Lord showed you or you saw in your mind's eye uh, a small tree and then a really big, bigger tree. And uh, what I was being nosy because I was doing my art over there, but I, I caught you mentioning that and I felt like the Lord say that he's the planting of the Lord, that you are the planting of the Lord in this area. And I looked up some scriptures, which I'll give you separately in a minute, uh, where uh, in Isaiah in particular, the Lord talks about how he plants different types kinds of trees for the display of his splendor and you've been through a lot together to to get to this place where you are but you are here to be displaying the splendor of God and I felt that when you saw the really really big tree that sort of filled your vision the Lord was saying that Though things may have started in a small way, your terms of the expression of the kingdom may have started in a smaller way in your life. It's like uh, when Jesus told the parable of the mustard seed where he said, but it grows into the greatest of all the trees in the garden and all the birds of the air can come and make its nest in your branches. And that uh, there's a promise of the Lord that as you cooperate with his planting you in this soil and in this place, that there will be a great increase in your influence, you and VB together. Uh, and many people will become connected to you, that you will make a sheltering place for others to come and find home. And so we just want to bless you too, because although you've been through a battle and it may not be entirely over yet, we want to make an agreement with the purposes of God that you should become established. That was the word. He is establishing you in this land and the agreement of the way he sees you as very great. So let's just stretch our hands towards Mike today. And we agree with what you say about him, that he is the planting of the Lord for the display of uh, his splendor and that you will establish him here. And nothing, no weapon formed against you will prosper, Mike, and that you will grow and you will become healthy and strong and many branches will go out from you and people will be able to connect to you because you provide shelter and they can find home in relationship with you. Amen. Uh, young lady, here, you were up earlier. You don't need to stand up. I just remembered you from before, that's all. Um, I feel I have an encouragement for you, and um, it's along the lines of, I, got, I kind of got the idea of you breaking the gender mould, that you could take grounds where, where sometimes we can perhaps think this is for men or this is for women. But I think the, the, the encouragement for you, I believe, is to do with you being a powerful bride and that you have power, you have strength, you have authority. And I, I just really want to encourage you 
in what you've done tonight and st- stepping out. And I feel the Lord's going to really encourage you further and empower you further. And I, I just get a sense that where you've been held back in the past, where you think maybe a, a thought, well, this is for men or whatever, um, you're going to start breaking that mould, I, I believe. So, when that moment. Um, young lady here as well. Uh, I just saw in you, I know we spoke briefly as you came in, but I, I, I saw a runner in you and someone really running fast spiritually speaking. And I felt that you're um, ready for all terrains, you're ready for all seasons, um, your, your feet are shod to go different places. And I felt, I had a sense of you looking up and uh, kind of setting your face like flint. And it's almost like this leg of the race, you're going to run faster. You're running so fast and you're looking up so much, you almost don't need to see where you're going. And, and I feel that it's because you, you're looking heavenward and um, the Lord delights in that and he really wants to affirm you, to keep going, basically. Um, there's no terrain you can't traverse, so be encouraged. Um, gentlemen here? Yeah, I, I saw you, sir. Um, it, is it okay? Yeah. I saw you um, coming into more freedom. I saw, I saw a, an open prison in front of you and, and chains broken. And I had the idea of um, Nelson Mandela. You know, when Nelson Mandela was finally freed, he became a beacon for other people, other black people in particular. Uh, he became a beacon of hope for others that have had injustice, for others that have been locked up, for others that have campaigned. And I saw you campaigning. And I just believe for you that as you step into more and more freedom, which is imminent even now, as you do that, you're going to be a beacon for other people. The things you find freedom in, you're going to release other people in. So, yeah, maybe this week's for you as well in, in that regard. So, uh, yeah, encouragement for you. Um, Gentlemen at the back, yeah, with the glasses, yes, you, sir. Uh, I had a picture of you um, fishing, like angling, and uh, I had the words patience. It's almost like you're a technical angler. You, you're, you're casting your, your line out there, and you're changing the, the flies, you're changing the weight, you're changing the distance, and you're trying new things. It's almost like you've got used to waiting, as anglers do, and, and they're enjoying the waiting. But I feel the Lord's encouraging you now that you're going to actually start catching fast, um, and people you've been trying to reach out to, people you've been trying to perhaps bring into the kingdom or bring um, restore to fellowship, these people are going to start take, biting from you, I believe, sir. You're going to start biting what, what you're putting out there. And just one more. Uh, and uh, Claire, uh, I had uh, the idea of you going into different hard ground. I had the idea of water. You know when water goes into the rocks... And then it freezes over, it expands, and it splits the rocks. I have the idea that, you know, as your name suggests, there's a clearness in you, and that, that you have this ability to get in places where others won't go. And I, because it was to do with breaking rocks under, under extreme cold, I had the idea that perhaps you'd be going, weigh this, of course, because it's directive, but just see what the Lord says. But I had the idea you'd be going to north basically places like scotland or canada or iceland places like that um, to reach the lost in hard ground and you're one that can be resilient and i also believe the personal victories a bit like the word earlier the personal victories you um experience of other people that you're going to reach in these hard grounds uh, rachel 
Hi. <laughs> um, immediately when I looked over at you, I, I heard the word river, and as I pictured this river, it was just obviously just rushing and flowing, and I saw like just fish, it was filled with fish, and I just felt that the Lord was like saying, you know, just river, just life uh, really flows out of you, and I just felt the fish represent, there's loads to catch within the river that you have, and I just feel that it's just a lot of like impartation and a lot of, just a lot of things in your life, in your journey that people can grab a hold of, and it's, and it's like people catch fish for food, that is, that is their food, that is their life as well. And I just felt like that river with the fish is just a cycle of life. And so life produce life produce life. So I just really feel it's a season of just really imparting and, and flourishing. Yeah, Alistair, I I love your beard. It looks great. And you look you look really different, but I don't know if I just feel like um there's a real change in you in your countenance I don't know if that's just relief that you've finished work but I just felt the Lord saying that you've done the right thing I'm sure you had no doubt otherwise you wouldn't have done it but I just feel like the Lord's saying you've done the right thing and Karen as well and just to give you a real encouragement that everything every desire of your heart is going to fulfil because your heart's desires are pure and you're seeking him. Both of you, you're just seeking him, nothing else. And everything you do is going to prosper. That you're just going to see a massive step over the near fu- in the near future. I'm not saying it's going to be in the way future. It's like something that you're stepping into now. You're just going to see a massive step up in everything that you've been experiencing and even more. And, and I just... I just really want to impress upon you that every desire of your heart, God wants to fulfil. And I can't really say any more than that. Yeah. And I just felt, John, as well, that God's done a real work in you over these last, this last year. And I don't know if you ever asked yourself the question, why did I have this stroke? You know. But I just felt like there was stuff that God wanted to do that he couldn't do and that somehow having this stroke was like a a way of God being able to do what he wanted to do in you and I've seen a real change in in your character there's such a love that comes out of you I just believe that God's got a real uh, purpose for for your life, you know. So maybe it's easy to think, you know, I've had this stroke and I can't do all the things I used to do. But God says that He's done a work in you that's preparing you for the work that He wants you to do. So don't look at the things that you can't do; just look at what you can do because He's got a real purpose for you. I, I believe that the physical healing and and everything's going to come in time. But what the work that God's done in you is because He's prepared you for something, and it's a special work. So your life is just beginning. Let me say, I feel that. And I just, I was just drinking my coffee there, and as I walked up, I just felt like the Lord was saying that, you know, when you drink coffee, and it's a bit of a, it's a drug, really, isn't it? It really sort of makes you wake up. I just felt that. God was saying that this is a time 
for people to wake up. And I know that there's, I believe that there's a a number of people here who really are, are just crying out to God, you know, use me. And I feel like God's saying that I'm going to use you, but don't wait. Don't wait for me to do anything. You do something. And when you do it, then I will increase what you've got. Uh, so I just feel that when you get that urge, I'm just encouraging everyone who's feeling that way, that when you feel the Holy Spirit move, don't wait, just step out. Because God says, as you step out, he's going to increase what you've got. And the more you step out, the more he's going to increase it. So I just believe now is the time to move and not to wait anymore. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Trev. Caroline, you. <laughs> I was sitting next to Caroline this, this afternoon, and I felt like the Lord said to me that you're a God chaser. Maybe you and your husband together are God chasers, that you've been on a journey of pursuing him and pursuing more, and it may have moved you from place to place or um, congregation to congregation, uh, as you've been learning to discern the difference between uh, the religious, the ritualistic, and that which carries life, and that the Lord has been um, taking away anything that is um, not of life, you know, grave cloths, things I saw like rags coming off you, things that are not going to help you in your pursuit of him and I want to commend you for that I want to commend you for uh, I feel like that Father wants to commend you for pursuing those things and um, having energy and being determined to go after more of him Uh, but then when you mentioned something in there about um, uh, feeling that a weaker area is in connecting into your community I felt that the Holy Spirit whispered is that as you uh, pursue a friendship with somebody who doesn't yet know the Lord, somebody around you, that that's the next stage of your pursuit of God because you'll find him there. You'll find him there, uh, not so much in Uh, Christian context as an aspect of who he is, the friend of sinners, that you will um, enter into as you ask the Lord, okay, who should I befriend? Who who shall I reach out to? And that you go, as you go for that. Amen. Uh, This gentleman here in the dark shirt, uh, Michael. Um, I just looked at you and I heard the word hope and what appeared was this column and the column, uh, you know, I was just in a conversation where there are certain walls and certain columns that are, they hold the weight of a building and I just felt that the Lord was saying that the hope in you just holds the weight and it holds just the foundations and keeps everything intact and together. So I just bless that in you. Um, gentleman at the back in the blue top. Um, I just have a word for you, just brief, that you're kind of a no-nonsense guy. And uh, I feel the law's really pleased with that. You cut through the dross, you know, what's real, what's not real. 
and let's get to it, what works, what doesn't work. And that, that actually is integrity because you don't stand for the fluff and the flounce. And uh, I just feel the Lord's really encouraging you in that. Pursue integrity, but also don't hold back from being experiential, if that makes sense. So play with it, have fun, but also get back to the no-nonsense and sift it out by all means. But so an encouragement to you to go for it. Um, Yeah, be no-nonsense, but go for it as well. Oh, man. Wow, thanks, guys. That's really good. We love the prophetic. We just think it's really a blessing, really encourages. Um, I've had uh, a number of prophetic words over the sort of 20 or so years that we've been doing this, and uh, it's just been amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, some of the words have been so detailed that we've kind of produced detailed strategies out of them for our way ahead and our direction and, and where we're... Uh, heading the way we're going to go and everything. So, you know, value the prophetic. That's the thing. Whenever you get a prophetic word like that, take it seriously and jot the things down and say, what is the Lord saying? What's he emphasizing? What is he pulling out? And so I can kind of then focus on it and begin to do more if he's encouraging or, you know, uh, do less if, he's, if that's what he's saying and so on. But uh, take it seriously. Don't just think, oh yeah, there's a prophetic word. Thank you. That's, a, that's made me smile for a moment. But jot it down and really take it seriously. So good, we, we are having a really great time here. I mean, it is, I'm feeling really encouraged from the different times, the different sessions. Um, I mean, I'm feeling an extraordinary sense of the presence of God. I mean, like really, really strong. And it's slightly frustrating in a way because although I'm feeling the presence of God, I'm not getting a very clear sense of precisely what to do. Do you know what I mean? And it's been a source of some frustration to me over the years a little bit. I mean, particularly going to places like Toronto and experiencing an amazing sort of outpouring, amazing sense of the presence of God and, you know, and seeing some people just hit with the glory and presence of God, going down, shaking, vibrating, rolling, gyrating, doing all of this sort of amazing stuff and then perhaps getting up just as sick as they went down or or something and you kind of think oh my goodness what's going on why how can someone come in contact with the power of god like that and sort of not be affected and uh i i think you know god's been doing something sort of quite different and i i'm in it now and i feel it that, that his presence is here to reassure us to leaders on the right path to say, yeah, this is, this is where you're going. Keep on going. Keep on pressing through. He is doing a work in our lives that requires patience. You know, we started off this couple of days by saying all of the promises of God are inherited through faith and patience, the two things that you have to have in equal measure and equal strength. The faith is that Uh, confident expectation. I always say faith is like a little formula. Uh, Faith equals belief plus expectation. Okay, Belief, you can believe something without necessarily having the expectation that something is going to happen. 
Um, so you need the both. Faith is when that belief, so I believe that God can heal, I believe that God wants to heal, do I believe that God will heal in this instant, right now, when I release that healing, when I release that word, when I lay my hand on? And that is where faith begins to rise up. And But I think he's just drawing us in, he's drawing us in, he's drawing us in, and I think we have to stay in that place of patience, of humility, of hunger, just constantly coming after him, seeking his word. His word is everything. We were talking in our small group today and in the uh, Hearing God's Voice seminar that really the prophetic is the, just the key to everything. It, it so is the key to everything. You know, Jesus only ever did what he saw the Father doing and he only ever said what he heard the Father saying. That's where this, we, we've kind of tied that up with this scripture from Revelation 19 about uh, the testimony of Jesus being the spirit of prophecy. His story, the story of Jesus, is the spirit of prophecy. It's like because he only did what he saw the Father doing. He only said what he heard the Father saying. Everything that he did, he received from heaven and then spoke it out or acted it out. And that is the key. That is the key. That's why... Everything that he did succeeded. Everything that he touched achieved exactly the purpose that it was supposed to. It says that the word of God does not return to him void, but comes and accomplishes everything that it was sent forth to do. So when we receive the word of God from heaven, it is there to achieve something. If we are obedient, act out on it, speak out on it, it will initiate something. That is why when we release all of these prophetic words, don't just think, oh yeah, prophetic word. No, it is powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword when the active now word of God gets released and faith can begin to rise up and uh, we can see some good stuff happen. So yeah, we've been having a great time. We've been looking into identity today, haven't we? And uh, Bryony did a great talk this morning in and around the seven mountains and uh, how, you know, our identity um, in who we are, who we are in God, who we are in our community, who we are to ourselves, um, all of that sort of thing. It is, you know... Um, like really key in understanding what our call is and having faith to be able to step out with boldness and and to really uh, get it going. So I want to look into this just just a little bit more uh, tonight. And actually, uh, I feel maybe we did talk about it. I think probably we did, but I'm not sure that that, you know, in my mind I deliberately decided to coordinate with this, but I think it does, more by luck than judgment or by the leading of the Holy Spirit, whichever way you want to look at it. But, um, you know, I firmly believe that, as, as, as Bryony said today, there is no secular for the believer. There is no, there is no secular. It is all sacred, okay? We, we've often lived with this sacred secular divide. Okay, this is the church side of stuff. Right now we're in the work side of stuff. We're in the, the life, the me life sort of side. This is my Christian side. This is my just getting on with normal life. No. It is all kingdom. It is all kingdom and we are all in full time ministry 
regardless of what we're doing or who pays us or what our job title is. We are in full-time ministry and, and we have to have an identity which receives that so that as we kind of launch out and go and do the things that God's called us to do, whatever it is, it, it, you know, it could be as a, as a professional sports player, it could be as a business person, it could be as an employee, a bookkeeper, a teacher, whatever. We are stepping out and doing full-time ministry. We are representing the Father wherever we go and we are showing the Father's love in everything that we do. And if we can grasp hold of that identity, everything becomes so much more fun. It just becomes a lot more fun. So there's a, there's a particular part of identity that I, I want to look at because I had a prophetic word right at the beginning from this lovely lady, uh, Isabel Allen, who, who came here a, few, a couple, couple of years ago, a year ago, whenever it was, I can't remember, um, but not long ago. And uh, right back at the beginning, I went over to this leader's school and, and received this prophetic word, which, which had all sorts of things in it. And it was really, really exciting. And again, has been one of those strategic words. But there was one bit in it, which um, I thought, yeah, what's that about then? Why, why, why is that? And it's kind of made me ponder on it. And it's kind of come up to the surface in this last week or so. And it said, and she said to me, Phil, Sometimes you come to the Lord with some reservations, wondering whether you can get all of the way in. You have some reservations about it. And it's like you're coming to the table and expecting a few crumbs to drop off so that you can kind of take them and eat them and be encouraged when you don't realise that the whole table has been set for you. Okay, and, you know, I, I kind of... I sort of recognise that in a way. I do recognise it because there's, there's a side to us, isn't there, as British people that is kind of very self-effacing and doesn't want to be uh, presumptive or anything, but actually wants to be humble and wants to kind of take the... No, no, after you. No, I insist, after you. No, 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 really, after you. And, um, but actually... There is something in our identity as sons and daughters of our loving Father who is the King of Kings (laughs) that gives us access to something, okay, other than him. And we've got great access to him. And I love that scripture that says, by the blood of Jesus, that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. You know, kind of run right up to it. But... In that identity as royalty and as sons and daughters of the house, we have access to the house. And the house of God is where God is. It is just the place he lives, you know. It was like, like when Jacob was sleeping with his head on a rock um, and he called the place Bethel, the house of God, I think that means, doesn't it? There was no buildings there, there was no people there, uh, but God was there. And so that's why it became called Bethel. So the, the, the house of God is like wherever people are. It's wherever you are and wherever God is, because God is with you. So we have to realise that not only do we have access to him as 
uh, by the blood of Jesus, which I think we're okay with. I think we're kind of getting to, aren't we, that actually we can come to him. I, I think I've got through that point. I think I know that almost regardless of my condition and regardless of my state of mind, regardless of whether I've been good or whether I've been bad or whether I've been just dull and indifferent, I can still come to him at any time because that's what the blood of Jesus did. Okay, It paid the way. It kind of broke down that whole kind of striving, working thing that you've got to prove yourself, you've got to earn enough in order to gain access and to be made in right standing. That actually we are in right standing right now. We are completely in right standing no matter what we've done, no matter how much we've failed, no matter how much we've been tormented uh, by sickness, by illness, by the devil, by whatever, we have access to him because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's a done deal. He shed his blood once and for all and it is finished, he said, on the cross. It is done. So he's never going to need to do that again and we are never going to need to work any harder to gain that access. It is done. It is finished. We have access to him. But the thing that's been going through my mind recently is not only do we have access to him, but we have access to the house where he lives. Okay, it's like, and, you know, in my simplistic mind, he lives in heaven. That's like where he is. I mean, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere, isn't he? But but his house is kind of heaven in my kind of childish way of thinking. But we have access to all of the resources of heaven. But do we believe it? Mm, kind of not sure, but let's work on it, okay, because I believe it is true. So, we need to get this identity. Now, identity is that sense of who are you? Who are you in God? Who, you know, uh, how would you describe yourself? How, what is your mission in life? What is your dream? What is your, this is who you are. This is the thing that is done. And so, for example, for me, um, I've had quite a few prophetic words and I've had, I feel like God has spoken to me several times, many times actually, about a number of different things. And I'm getting a picture of who I am. I was a bit reluctant at first because I tried to avoid uh, being any kind of a leader, of having any kind of responsibility. I just wanted someone else to get on with it and I would kind of help out a bit when it was convenient. But actually now, 20 years on, I'm beginning to realise, actually, yes, I am called. I am called to do this, that God has given me some vision. It's coming, it's coming. Um, God has given me a vision and has confirmed it multiple times over. And this is all to do with you know, all sorts of stuff about seeing a healing well released in this area, about seeing uh, people getting saved, about fish coming into the net, about training and equipping and ministry centres and all sorts of exciting stuff, okay? Networks of churches and it's really been confirmed so many times that I cannot argue with it anymore. I really can't. I, I'll just say, I'll come, I'll come quietly, Gov. You know, it's a fair cop, I'll do it. And I begin to accept it and I begin to accept that this is part of my identity, Okay, and as such, 
these things which he has asked me to do, I have to believe that if he's asked me to do them, there must be a way of getting them done, okay? Which involves releasing the resources of heaven. So, I am beginning to accept that identity as a son of God and actually as the son of a king. This is the thing. I mean, we've been talking a lot for, um, you know, in terms of knowing the Father heart of God and knowing how much he loves us. And I I love all of that. I I really do. And I've learned a lot about it, particularly by being a father myself, you know, and having been through that, having, having kids myself, taught me so much about how the father looks on at us. And I suspect going into kind of grandfather zone, as we are beginning to now, will give me another whole level of revelation about that, if any of my colleagues are to be believed. Uh, But, you know, that father heart of God is absolutely amazing and it, it, it gives us that security, that sort of sense of identity, uh, that sense of belonging. And I, I think it is just kind of wonderful that, you know, he, he said in John, um, John 14, he says, I will not leave you as orphans, okay, but in Ephesians 1.3, he says, All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. You know, This is amazing. Isn't that mind-blowing that even before we were born, even before the world was made, he kind of chose us, he picked us and said, I really want you in my family. I want you to be a son. It's like, it's just mind-blowing. So it says he, he doesn't leave us as orphans, but rather he actively chooses us as children and he adopts us into his family and he gives us his spirit that within us can cry out Abba, Father, Daddy you know, can have that sense of that Father heart of God and that belonging, that sense of being a son or a daughter Uh, and it is fantastic it is totally mind-blowing and I dare say we'll never ever get to the end of what that means However, I think there is another side of it, which is that he is the king of kings. He is the, the, the great I am, as Mark often says. He is, the, he is the one, and we are his kids. Jesus is our brother, because it says we're adopted into that same family. Jesus is God's son, and we are co-heirs with him, so we inherit all the same stuff that Jesus does. That's what a co-heir means. It means you're kind of on a similar basis. And so, as such, we have access to all the resources of heaven. Man, that's good. There's some good stuff up there. There really is. And we were talking yesterday, I think, about how you know, to, to get some kind of idea of what heaven is like where God reigns. I, I think looking back at the original place that he created man to be, the garden, it's a great picture of what heaven must be like. 
because he created it in perfection at that time. That you know everything was just hunky dory, tickety boo. It was just perfect. It was there was no sickness, there was no lack, there was no need, there was no strife. There was perfect relationship uh, with man and his uh, wife, and uh, there was perfect relationship between man and God and. Uh, the woman and God, and uh, and just everything was everything was great. There was peace. There was harmony. And I think that is what heaven is like. That is what heaven looks like. That's where God dwells. And not only that, but it even goes into the detail, doesn't it? Of beginning to describe the Garden of Eden, as as, as we call it, um, as having kind of all of these precious stones and gold and fire and sapphires and all of this stuff just lying around. What they would have done with it in those days, I don't suppose they would have like taken it down the shops or whatever and sold it and got some cash or whatever, but they had no need of it. They had everything they needed anyway. But it's just a great picture of the resources of heaven. And, you know, it, I just believe it's there. It's the same. It's exactly the same. There is no need and no lack in heaven. And as such, we have access to the resources of heaven. But the only thing is, do we believe it? Do we actually believe it? Or is there just a little bit of the orphan spirit which begins to come back in that says, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not really worthy, I'm, I'm not sure... I would be safe with that. Or, actually, I'm, I'm not really sure whether that, that's kind of really for me. That's probably for other people who've been through a greater test or, or something, you know. There's all sorts of thinking that goes on in our minds where we begin to disqualify ourselves and adopt in this slightly orphan spirit which says... Oh, I've got to do it myself. If, if I don't do it, no one will do it. No one's going to help me. I'm, I'm just kind of here by myself, you know. It's bound to go wrong, but, I'll, you know, I'll do it anyway. And it, it's, the, it's this negative expectation, this isolation, this I'm just by myself. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll go and eat some worms. You know, it's this kind of negative cycle that begins to come in that is just so against that spirit of adoption which has been put into us by the Holy Spirit, that same spirit that can cry, Abba, Father, that same spirit that says we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus, that we are sons and daughters, we are royalty. You know, royalty carries something with it. You know, if like old... Prince William and Catherine go out and they say, oh, we just need a car to take us. A car comes to take them and probably a load of secret service around them and all sorts of things happen and uh, ways are made open and meals are provided and all sorts of things happen around them because they are royalty. And do you know what? We have that same identity we have that identity as royalty. And I think if we will believe it, if we will adopt it, if we will take it on, that we are sons and daughters of the living God, our Heavenly Father, um, I think a lot of things will begin to open up. I just want to look at one scripture, okay, from Luke 15. 
And it is the story of the prodigal son, okay, which everyone knows, inside out, backwards, back to front. But I want to look at a different bit this time, okay, uh, because we all know about the younger brother who goes off and squanders all his wealth. I mean, he knew he had the the uh, kind of sense of belonging. He was a bit cheeky, wasn't he? As he went up to his dad and said, oh, dad, give me my share of the inheritance now. Give me the money. Give me the dosh. I want to go out and have a good time and live a little. And of course, dad gave it to him. He knew he had access and he got it and he received it and off he went and did his thing. We know about that. He blew it. He then kind of came back. He kind of realised once he'd kind of lost everything and was in, a, in dire straits and uh, just really losing hope for life, just starving to death, eating the pig's swill in order to stay alive. He thought, oh, even my father's servants uh, are eating more than this. If I, if I just go back to him and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth and I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore, then perhaps he'll, perhaps he'll just accept me back. And of course he comes back and the minute the father sees him, even coming across the hillside, he lifts up his robes and he runs out and he kisses the son on the neck and gets some sandals and puts them on his feet and a robe on his back and a ring on his finger and kills the fatted calf and has a big party and it's all great and it's a fantastic picture of the grace of God you know that no matter what you've done no matter where you've come from no matter how many times you've messed up you have access to the father and he is delighted to see you at any time of the day or night he just never shuts his door he is never I I don't even believe he's even disappointed in us because he doesn't see the sin because Jesus has paid for it. When we come to him, it says we are clothed in Christ and he sees his beloved son coming towards us, his righteousness, his justification which he has given us. So he doesn't even see that stuff. So he's always delighted to see us. That's great. So, But I don't want to talk about that. It's the other person. It's the elder brother. And let's just read from somewhere later on in Luke 15. So the older brother, uh, so the, the, the father, I think, goes out and says, oh, to the older son, come on in, we're having a party, your, your brother's back and all of this sort of stuff. But it says, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. Um, his father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. And never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. And his father looked at him and said, My dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. I, you know, this, this bit of the story is chilling. I, it is completely chilling. So he, he goes, my dear son, he loved that brother as much as he loved the other brother. You know, he, his heart was for him. And he said, you know, you have always been here and everything I had is yours. Everything I have is yours. You had access 
to the whole thing. That brother lived in the father's house, right in the father's house, with the father, in relationship with the father, and yet he had an orphan mentality. And I find this very scary, that you can actually be in the father's house, but still be living as an orphan, thinking, oh, I've worked, I've slaved, I've done all of this stuff for you, and you've not even given me a little goat to have as a, as a feast with my friends. But he said, everything was yours. It was all yours. You could have had what you wanted. But because he didn't have the mindset of a son, because he didn't have the mindset of royalty, that he had access to those things, he couldn't receive them. He couldn't take them. He didn't think he was worthy. He didn't think he had permission. Whereas he did. He did. And, (coughs) you know, I think... We are coming up on a time now in, the, in this season of our lives and, I, and people in the lighthouse will be kind of fed up with me saying this but seriously, I think God is preparing us for a move of God in, in our country. I, I just am convinced about it. I'm completely convinced and I, I just feel, it, you know, it's frustrating in the waiting. It's a bit of a rap there, isn't it? Frustrating in the waiting. Um, it is very frustrating in the waiting um, because you think, oh my goodness, you know, how many times can we proclaim this? How many times can we believe it? How many times can we press into his presence and everything? But the fact is that the, the frequency of confirmations, the frequency of these coincidental circumstances which are happening, is just getting out of hand. It is really getting out of hand. It has got to be close. It has seriously got to be close. I believe that we are coming into a time of national awakening in our country where many, many people are going to turn and come uh, into faith, come into relationship with the Father through Jesus the Son to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is going to be a time when lots of people come in at the same time. And I think he is preparing his people for that at the moment. And I think one of the things that we're going to need to do is understand our identity in this whole process as not only sons and daughters of the Father, but as royalty, as princes and princesses, if you will, uh, who have authority to appropriate the resources of heaven for the things that are going to be going on in and around the whole thing. Now, what are those resources of heaven? What are those resources? I mean, clearly, here we are. Phil's got a dream to build a six million quid centre down the road or whatever, which is, you know, like, interesting. And, and some of those resources, I'm hoping, are financial, of the financial variety. And that we're pulling down on that, and I believe God is going to release those to us. And we and, and it actually, in that respect, I, I'm sure of my identity. I really am. I really do believe he has said do this. And therefore, I believe those resources are available to us. I do not have a problem with that. So that's okay. But I believe there are many other resources up there. And uh, other than financial. And I think, you know, I, do you remember hearing that wonderful story from Bethel where the uh, young girl student had this vision of the of the storerooms of heaven. She was kind of taken up, and she was uh, 
taken up into heaven and given a guided tour and went into one of these rooms and there was all these body parts hanging on the wall, which sounds very gross. And uh, there was kind of kneecaps and elbows and and that, and all of these different things up on the up on the wall. And the angel was saying, "Oh yeah, these are all the bits that you can you know use for healings and all of this sort of stuff." And and so she saw them, and, and she saw them up in heaven, and had had the tour, and had met the angel, and the quartermaster, or whatever, who ticks them off. And, and so she thought, yeah, that's up there. Now, the next time, she's coming to pray for someone at one of the outreaches, and, um, and uh, the woman comes up to her and says, oh, I'd like some prayer, because I've got a lot of pain, but it's, it's really difficult, because I have no kneecap at all. It was smashed up and it was kind of, they just had to take it out and it's just left me like disabled, crippled. It's all kind of fused and uh, there's really not a lot I can do about it other than to walk with a very pronounced limp and in a lot of pain and they've told me I've just got to get used to it. And the girl said, no problem, I've seen the storeroom, I know where to go. I know which door to open. And so in the spirit she lays hands on this on this woman and reaches up into heaven, into that thing, to grab a new kneecap, and comes down and smacks it on her knee, and and she's healed instantaneously, right in front of them there. Full flexibility comes back, she walks, every bit of pain has gone. Okay, so we're talking resources of heaven. It's a bit of a gruesome one, thinking of body parts hanging up on the wall up there, but very useful resources nonetheless. Okay, so, for healing, there, there are regenerative miracles that can be appropriated from heaven. I, I believe there's, there's all sorts of stuff. There is, there is peace, there is love, there is forgiveness, there is grace, there is all of these resources of heaven that can be released, that can be brought down and appropriated for a hurting, damaged world down here if we believe we have access to them if we believe that God has called us to do that. Now, I seriously believe that God has called us to, uh, to be blessed. All right? You know, not just financially, but in every aspect of our lives. And, and I've often said this before. This is what I believe is the blueprint for a Christian. It, it comes right from the very beginning of the, of the covenant that was made with Abraham. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I am going to bless you so abundantly. I'm going to make your descendants kind of more numerous than the sand on the, on the seashore. I am going to make you successful. I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing to the nations around you. It, it was kind of right at the beginning, it was instigated, wasn't it? And you read through those stories and Abraham, um, Isaac and Jacob, you know, they go through this thing and they are pretty successful. They get camels, they get all sorts of things, you know, and they provoke the Philistines to jealousy because they become so successful. But it was part of their covenant. It was part of their covenant to be successful because when the presence of God was with them, this favour would come on them, this success would come on them. You remember Isaac taking his grain and sowing it in a famine. 
Right? When there's a, like a blooming famine on and nothing's growing, he sows it and reaps a hundredfold in the same year. How does that work? But it does, and it is, it's the favour and the presence and the power of that covenant. I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. We are designed, the human race is designed to be an overflowing machine. We receive everything that we need to receive, but then also have enough to overflow into the lives of others. Okay, we're talking identity here, okay? Receive this. Because, you know, there has been a lot going on in the church for a very long time that says poverty is next to godliness, okay? And I don't quite know where it's come from. I have a suspicion that Wesley might have had something to do with it and uh, old what's-his-name who talked to the animals over in Italy. He had something to do with taking a vow to marry Lady Poverty and all of that stuff. What was his name? Francis of Assisi, yeah. Uh, And... All, all of that sort of stuff. But they were kind of very special cases. Uh, and actually, if you look at the covenant, you look where it started, what God's heart was for his people that flowed right the way through scripture. When the presence of God was with Israel, everything went well. Things, you know, increased. They were successful. They were successful in their business, in their farming, in their uh, livestock, all of these different things. Everything began to work. When they went into disobedience, then everything started going bad. And you can look at it in the uh, blessings and the cursings of the law in Deuteronomy 28 and 29, how it is spelt out. If you are obedient, all of this good stuff will happen. If you're disobedient, all of this bad stuff will happen. Okay? Now, in the New Covenant, it changed because we moved out of that model with the do good, you get good, do bad, you get bad type thing because Jesus paid the price, full stop. And it says in Galatians, doesn't it, that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. Galatians 3.19, somewhere around there. And, um, but he became a curse for us to, to break that whole cycle. So in order that, it says, we should come into the blessings promised to Abraham. You read it yourself. It's in Galatians. That's New Testament we're talking here. We're not talking Old Testament stuff. But he died in order that we should come into the blessings promised to Abraham. He was promised some pretty good stuff. And we can receive that as well. But it's about identity. Because all of the promises of God are received through faith and patience. There has to be this belief. And in order for there to be belief, there has to be this sense of identity. It carries on in the New Testament. And Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And he says, I wish that you, I mean, we're talking money here, 2 Corinthians 9, it's about the offering that they're giving. But Paul says to them, I wish for you that you had every sufficiency, so enough for your own needs, uh, you know, everything to do the things that you need to do, but then also enough to be a blessing on every occasion. It's the same promise. I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And this is part of our inheritance, is part of our identity, it's part of who God has created us to be. He wants us to be blessed so that we can bless people. 
If we're poor, we can't do anything. We're stuck. We're trapped. We're trapped with everyone else. But if we're blessed, then God can use it to overflow into the lives of others. Now you may say, is this a prosperity gospel? I'm not advocating that people drive around in Rolls Royces and stuff. It's like, that is just nonsense and totally unnecessary. You know, having enough for your needs is enough to have a good life, to enjoy life. God has given all things to richly enjoy. He wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to be a witness to those around us. He wants people to look on and think, what is it about those people? Why are they so happy? Why are they so blessed? Why, why is it that things go well for them? Why is, you know, that was part of the covenant. That was part of the covenant which he promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the whole of the tribe of Israel. Now, that covenant was superseded. The old was taken away in order to establish the new, it talks about in Hebrews. The new one has got to be better than the old one. Seriously, God only does upgrades. He doesn't do downgrades, okay? But we've got to believe it. We've got to believe that it is our identity, that we have access to the resources of heaven, that we have that ability to receive those things. And, you know, I think... It's about believing it. It's not even about necessarily kind of manipulating it or doing it or anything. If you walk into a place and you have got the identity, I am a son, I am a daughter, I am a prince or a princess, I I am royalty, you kind of conduct yourself in a certain way and you have an expectation that certain things are going to happen. And I believe that we should be in this place. We should be believing that God wants us to be successful. He wants to bless us in order that we can be a blessing. So, I think that will probably do because it's ten past nine and I think it's almost time to uh, go on. I'll just finish up. I, I wanted to bring a film reference in because Bryony's managed to get film references into every other talk and I want to walk in her shoes. And so, but... <coughs> Our, our favourite, one of our favourite films is the film Hook. It is just such an awesome film. And if you, if you get a chance to watch it, it's got so many mes- messages in it about the Father Heart of God, uh, about the faith, who you are, your identity. And the whole essence of the thing is that Peter Pan, right, leaves Neverland to go and have kids. He decides he wants to have kids, so he leaves. But while he goes and has kids... He forgets who he is. He forgets what he can do. He forgets what he has access to. And he gets weighed down and he gets a job and he gets kind of just controlled by the wealth. He gets controlled by this, that and the other. And he gets a bit fat and out of shape and, and all of that. And then one day Captain Hook comes and kidnaps his kids and takes them back to Neverland. And so Peter Panning who has forgotten he's Peter Pan, has to go and rescue them and take them. And he has to go back. And when he gets back, he can't operate in Neverland. He tries to fly and crashes on the floor. He tries to join in the games and he can't do it. It's a great film. And it's like there's this wonderful line with uh, Shmee, the, the Captain Hook's assistant, where he says, he's forgotten how to fly, Captain. He's been away from Neverland for so long, he can't flog him fly. <laughs> and it's, 
<laughs> and it's brilliant. And he goes, he goes on this journey of remembering who he is. He has to remind himself. He has to go to the old places. He has to go and look at the stories. And he has to remind himself what he could do. And as he begins to uh, adopt these things back, youth begins to come back to his body. His, all the wrinkles on his face tighten up. His stomach goes in. <laughs> he gets those smashing green tights on again. And then eventually he can fly, he can fight, he can crow. <laughs> and he does, and he duels, duels to the death with Captain Hook and rescues his kids. It's a brilliant film. You should watch it. But it's all about, it's all about remembering who you are, what your identity is, what your inheritance is, the things that you have access to. We've got much more than that. As Christians, we have got a rich inheritance. We've got a really rich inheritance and we've got lots of good stuff that we should have access to. We just need to remember who we are, sons and daughters of the living God. So, let's stand. <sighs> Bryony, you've got to do impressions tomorrow. I've just, I've just upped you. I'll meet your film reference and cheese jokes and raise you one impression. So, Jesus. Jesus, we're so grateful for this time uh, of just being together, uh, of being able to spend time in your word, to stir one another up, to uh, really uh, remind each other who we are in, in Christ, who we are in the Father's family, who we are as sons and daughters. And I really pray, Lord, that as we, as we go out tonight and we sleep and kind of do stuff, that you would overshadow us and you would just come and give us dreams, that you would remind us of who we are, you, that you would begin to bring an excitement into our spirits again, that, that just amazing things can happen, that we have access to the very resources of heaven at this time, Father God. Give us that patience to just keep on going, to, to not give up hope, not give up the faith, but to say, no, we're going to keep going until our experience comes in line with what we know about your character. We're just going to keep moving in that direction. We're going to keep believing. We're going to keep pressing on and keep encouraging one another with these things until we meet with you. Father God, so, so help us tonight, Lord. Help us. Speak to us. Encourage us. I just bless every person that has been prayed for this evening um, that for healing, for encouragement, for infilling. Lord, it, let, let it be like a target has been placed on their backs for a heat-seeking missile from heaven to come and just kind of connect with them. Lord, no one is exempt. No one is disqualified. Everyone is included. Because your heart is for us to enjoy that intimacy with you, to know the resources of heaven and to experience it. So, yeah, Father, we thank you. We thank you for, thank you for picking us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for picking us from before the foundations of the earth were laid and choosing to adopt us into your family. That is just amazing. And we, we thank you that you did that. And, we're honoured, Father, and we want to just rise up. We want to 
no oppositions as sons in the royal household, as daughters in the royal household, and the access that we have to goats galore. Let's have a party in the name of Jesus. Amen.